A Bruin basketball player announcing he is transferring as of yesterday, and UCLA takes on Oregon State tonight. We have got a stacked, loaded show for you. And if you are a Bruin fan that is looking for a support group, looking for therapy, you have found the right spot. This is Locked on Bruins. I'm your host, Brian Fenley. Make it obligatory to hit that subscribe button, become a regular of the program. We have all of what is in the know around UCLA athletics. We bring it to you on a daily basis. And if you feel so inclined, you can always provide your feedback. Five stars, four stars, zero stars. I know some of you wish you could give me negative stars, but that for my own sake is not a viable option. Speaking of feedback, I'm going to give you mine after the news that came out yesterday about Sharif O'Neal deciding to depart from the UCLA basketball program. We'll look at his decision-making and what perhaps went into that and then also the timing of it and why now. Plus, Jalen Hill, who I had interviewed earlier this week on the Bruin Insider Show, there was part of my interview that I did not put on the episode yesterday on Locked on Bruins that I want to show you on this episode. Things that we did not get to yesterday from Jalen Hill discussing how the team is becoming more improved in the communication department in terms of guys being more vocal and how that is leading to optimistic and positive results on the defensive end. Plus, Hill will size up this Oregon State team and give you his preview as to what will be the ultimate game changer for how UCLA is going to have to win this game. Plus, I will also, as has become, has become habitual leading up to a game, I will provide my three keys to the game. And these are three bulletin, point, bulletin points that I feel are going to have the biggest say in determining the victor. So if UCLA can do all three of those things, then they're most likely guaranteed to win. But as I mentioned, the lead story revolving around Sharif O'Neal. And when I initially saw the news, I was a bit blindsided. But then when I started to think about it, I thought, you know what? It's not that shocking after all. And maybe you felt the same way. And we'll get into why and... and the timing of all of this in his decision in just a moment. But I was on my email yesterday, and then UCLA sent out a release, and it said a quote from McCronin reading, After meeting with Sharif on Tuesday, he told me that he plans to transfer. We fully support his decision and are wishing him all the best. Moments after that note came out from UCLA, O'Neill took to Twitter making it official and writing this long-winded note that basically expressed his gratitude for the prior coaching staff at UCLA for recruiting him, the current coaches, McCronin and his assistants for working with him, to the fan base for consistently supporting him, to the UCLA doctors that helped repair his heart condition, which forced him to miss his true freshman season, but in the end, a lot of thank yous, but it finished up with 
my time at UCLA is over. Now, just as recently as Tuesday on the Bruin Insider Show, I brought up to Bruin legend Tracy Murray. I said, Tracy, why is Sharif O'Neal not playing right now? What is the deal with that? And how does he earn more minutes? And what Murray mentioned to me was that if O'Neal is going to get into the game, it's going to be because of his rim protection. It's going to be because of his ability to rebound on the defensive and the offensive end. And if he gets out in transition, Tiger Campbell will be able to feed him the rock, give him the, the lead pass, and O'Neal will be able to jam it down. But when I started to think about what Tracy had just said right there about O'Neal and how he can contribute, it was that he didn't mention a lot on the offensive end that Sharif O'Neal could do, which signaled to me that right now, I mean, he's only a, a redshirt freshman, but underdeveloped as an offensive player. And for a UCLA team that is in dire need of scoring, they don't have a lot of time and patience to develop players who aren't giving them instant offense right away. So keep that in mind as, as to why one of the reasons UCLA was not playing Shreef O'Neal a lot as the the grunt work of the Pac-12 conference came about. Sharif did not play against Cal on Sunday. There was a game during the, the road trip to Washington where he did not play. And when he did get in the game, it was recently because of garbage minutes. And I did point out that on or during the loss to Stanford last week, he got in the game late and the Cardinal were up by double digits and he decides to foul a three-point shooter with like 10 seconds left with the game well in hand for the Cardinals. So some mental mistakes there, and part of that is because he's not getting into the, the flow of the game very often, and so he's losing his, his rhythm and his feel for getting out there. And, and part of this is because at the beginning of the season, Mick Cronin had announced that this was some glorified tryout everybody's going to get a look-see as to what you can do. And then it's become, now that guys are getting games under their belts and people are figuring out, coaches on the team, what guys are capable of, the offense, the defense, the, the rotation has been made a little bit more aerodynamic. And it's no longer that grand trout. And a victim of that and seeing his playing time decline is Sharif O'Neal. And the problem is, I, I mentioned that he, you know, when he did get in, he would make mistakes. And and that's the thing, is that I felt like at the end, the last the tail end of his last couple games with UCLA, that when he did get in, he was trying so hard to impress the staff and make something happen, like a great play, kind of overthinking it, trying to do something to convince them that, hey, I deserve more minutes, but sometimes he would take a risk that did not go over well, and it ended up not turning into something grand, and it turned up being a, a self-inflicted blunder on his part, 
which, look, all he's trying to do is show off to the coaching staff when he is in, which already was cut as conference play got in. It was kind of like when he was out on the court. If you've ever shown up late to a board meeting and you get sit down and situated with everyone and you just feel like you're not caught up and, and, and nobody's telling you what's happening. Like, what are we talking about? Like, I'm in the game, but it just doesn't feel like my head is in the game. These are just my observations. Again, these are just my opinions and my observations. And so when I think about the why, why did he leave? Obviously, the shoe and answer is the playing time situation. There's also the thought of, I said the offense was a liability, but there was also problems with his defense, as Mick Cronin illustrated recently, because he was asked, Cronin, why didn't you play O'Neal in the Cal game? And he said that the Bears have some some really muscular front court guys, and what Sharif O'Neal needs to do is he's got to bulk up, you know, and find a way to add some frame and be a better defender on the perimeter as well. So, all in all, what Cronin is saying, Sharif, very raw. Now, because Sharif is only a redshirt freshman, I, I was wondering, you know, he's still so young. Why doesn't he just wait out this season? work his tail off in the offseason, things change, players move on, or openings come about, and he sticks with the program. You know, you, you wonder, like, when, when decisions like this happen, there's obviously a lot of emotion involved, and, and, and sometimes that's not a good thing, right? You want to think logically, not emotionally. But while I do believe that there is a lot of emotion to this, and I'll get into more of that in just a moment, there, there, there seems to be a logical basis as well. Why I think that is because when I hear the quote that Mick Cronin saying, I met with Sharif on Tuesday, he told me the news, I'm going to support him no matter what. Everything I've heard about Mick Cronin is he is a straight shooter. He gives it to you honest. He's not going to give you false promises as a player. Players probably hate to hear that at the time he says it, but when they leave the program, whether they stick it out or they move on, they will appreciate him even more afterwards because he was upfront with them and told them exactly what was on his mind. And sometimes you just have to be honest, and I'm sure Mick Cronin said, hey, look, Here's where you can fit in right now. And if Sharif does not agree with the perception that McCronin has of him, that Sharif has a, of himself, then that might have led to the divorce as well. I have much more that I want to discuss on another reason why Sharif might have left or at least had some frustration. And another point I wanted to bring up about maybe the, the struggles or, or the anxiety is the better word, for having to play a sport that your parent was so good at and trying to live up to those expectations. As we continue our conversation 
on Sharif O'Neal, who has decided to transfer out of UCLA, I wanted to bring up a dynamic that I think factors into what's going on right now with Sharif O'Neal. So any offspring of a parent who is at the top of an industry that is in the limelight, so a celebrity, a pro athlete, Sharif O'Neal, his dad being Shaquille O'Neal, one of my favorite basketball players of all time, one of the greatest to ever play. When you have that dynamic, I don't want to say, because this is a little bit too crude, but it sets that offspring up for failure if they go into that same industry. Because how in the world are they supposed to live up to that person? And no matter what they do, that parent's legacy is always going to be attached to that offspring. And the problem is, is because Sharif O'Neal has said, leading up to you know him transferring earlier in the season, that his dad is trying to separate himself from Sharif, to give him some space, give him some independence, not meddle in his basketball affairs. Great idea, because you want to individualize yourself. But when you think about Sharif, and that O'Neal name attached to his last name, it's got to be hard to fathom that you're an O'Neal and you're not playing. And there's got to be a lot of, and this is just my opinion, that when you're an O'Neal and you're not playing, that that is very hard to stomach. Because Shaquille, his dad, was a star in college. He was dominant. And right now, unfortunately, Sharif is not there. Now, he can be. I'm not saying he cannot get there. But right now, he is not. And so he thinks maybe that that there is somebody who sees him as dominant. And that place is is not UCLA. But the other problem is, so there's this pressure that I think that the offspring feel to meet a dad's expectations, having to live with their, their legacy. There's that need to get approval and validation from the parent, even though it's impossible to live up to what they did. So that's a tough dynamic to to live with I would have to imagine but it comes down to this you can't live up to what your parents did or or copy that necessarily but I'm hoping Sharif he's a very smart kid very bright kid I'm hoping he's using this time to be very introspective is he playing the game of basketball because he loves it Is he doing it for himself first? Is this his love? If it isn't, throw yourself into your passion. Now, he might show up at another program and be dominant and say, you know what, I I just needed a change of scenery. And he'll work even harder in the offseason, bulk up, improve his defense, and show out. But whatever happens with Sharif O'Neal, if he decides that I want to take my life in a different direction or if I do want to stay in basketball, he has to think about what's best for him and with the understanding that he's got to do it for his love first. And 
the challenges as I kind of wrap that up of being an O'Neill is that there's a lot of pressure to play basketball, to succeed. And when you don't get there at the time or at the trajectory of that father or, or, or mother, who if she's the celebrity in the family, then it's, it's, it's really challenging to, to come to terms with it. And it, it, it makes you want to do and change where you are, change your scenery. Maybe that's the problem. You know, it's just a, it's a, it can lead to some panic. And no matter where, and no matter where Sharif ends up, we certainly will be rooting and supporting him on. I want to transition from Sharif to another big on the UCLA basketball team in Jalen Hill. And he's going to join the program here. First question I asked him earlier this week, which you're about to hear his answer to, was how the Bruins defensively were able to come up with that 11-minute scoring drought against Cal on Sunday and how communication improving in that realm has played a factor into being a better defensive team. Uh, Basically, communication helped the communication. So we got to the timeout. Guys are saying, I'm getting hit by screens. Um, you know, I don't know, I don't know which side is coming. The guards are telling me that. So I'm, I'm thinking back to the play and I'm thinking, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not speaking up right here and I'm not, I'm not using my voice the way I should. And it gets a little loud. I got to speak up a little bit more. Um, and sometimes you can't even tell them you just got to push them in, in the right direction. So guys telling me that, and again, not taking offense to it because it's loud we're in the game scenario of course they're going to be yelling but just knowing that they're not yelling at you they're just in the in the game mode trying to get you to do what they need to do so once they told me that I need to show on the screens a little bit more I need to call it out we did that and then that happened now Hill will disclose what needs to happen against Oregon State tonight to win well they got two good really score two good um scores Tinkle and um Thompson uh, they're, they're really good in open court. They're good ISO. Um, Tinkle, really good in, in the low post. And so so is Thompson. They're 20-point-a-game guys, and we got to really crack down on them. I mean, we can't let them just get any shot they want. I mean, we know they're going to make they're gonna make shots. They're going to make tough shots. We just got to make sure every, every shot is tough. Every shot is contested. And then... With the other guys, we just got to make sure other guys don't, you know, have a really good game. You got to make sure the guys that average, you know, five or six get five or six. You can't have guys that are averaging five show up and then get big numbers or facilitating the ball doing that. You just got to shut down those guys completely and, and focus in on those other two guys. So that's the game plan in a nutshell. We are going to focus coming up on my three keys to the game, how the Bruins can defeat Oregon State on the road tonight, an 8 p.m. matchup in Corvallis. It is that time in the show where I reveal my three keys to the game, three elements that will play the biggest part in a Bruin win if they do execute on all those three things. Number one, it's the trace Tinkle offensive juggernaut that the Beavers have, and he cannot get hot from three-point territory. So that means you've got to close him out. Watch a lot of the tape from the Washington State win against Oregon State, how they made it hard for him to catch 
the ball in positions to succeed. You had DJ Rodman, the the son of Dennis Rodman, do a a stand-up job in guarding him in that game. And so whether it's Jaime Jaquez or whoever has the assignment of Trace Tinkle, this is their best scorer. This is a guy who is on the path to being the all-time leading scorer in Oregon State history. And he's the son of the head coach and Wayne Tinkle. If he gets on, he starts making threes, this is going to be a long game for UCLA because their perimeter defense needs to, to rev up its own play. Second key, Jalen Hill has put together three nice, consistent, productive scoring outputs the last three games. Now, mind you, they've all been at home. He has this reputation attached to him that he can't do it on the road. This is a chance for him to show he can. He knows that they're going to rely on him a lot, and he's got to not become that absent player that he seems to fall back to when this team goes on the road. It's like he's a completely different player between the road and home, and hopefully his recent stretch of consistency at home can play into this road matchup. And what does that look like? I mean, I'd love to see double digits and points, maybe a double-double. I think if he's got a double-double, the Bruins are going to be in, in a good position here. And then my final key to the game is eliminating second-chance opportunities. Two of the last three games, the Bruins have been out-rebounded. They were out-rebounded against Cal their last game, and that was because Cal, they got to the rim a lot, and they didn't make a lot of baskets, but they ended up getting their misses. So you you can't give a team a second chance to try to score, and Cal, look, I mean, they're the worst team in the Pac-12. They, they are the worst team in the Pac-12. You can get away with giving up a lot of second-chance points and being out-rebounded by Cal and still win if you're the other team. That's not going to fly against Oregon State. Not with their shot blocker and Kyler Kelly, Ethan Thompson, as Jalen Hill alluded to, and the shooting prowess of Trace Tingle. All of those three things are going to make your margin for error a lot smaller against Cal because, first of all, you're playing on the road and Oregon State's a lot better of a team. And they are going to be thirsty for a win because they have not won a game. In well, they have a two-game losing streak. So they are dying and salivating for a win, just as UCLA is, to show that they're taking this next step in progressing by getting that trademark win on the road. We will have all of the post-game analysis for you later on this week following the game, and then we'll also look at their next opponent in Oregon. So those two, the Ducks and the Bruins, will tip it off on Saturday. Thanks again for joining us here on Locked on Bruins. Hope you had some fun. Hope this was a non-waste of your time, and thanks again for your, your support.